This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Scots, a new podcast from The Spectator which now has its own channel complete with Scottish-themed artwork. Just search Coffeehouse Scots on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lucy Dunn and today I'm joined by Stephen Daisley and Katie Balls. So if you've been following our episodes so far, you'll know that we had to justify how Scottish we were to earn a place in the podcast. As a newcomer, I'll start by stating my claim. Um, I was born and raised in Glasgow and have lived and studied there all my life, apart from a brief move to the Isle of Mull. It's only recently that I've left the homeland um, and made the big move to London. I think that gets you on the podcast. I think I probably am the least equipped to say that, given my accent. So, Stephen, is Lucy allowed to keep presenting? I, I, I'm, I think, yeah. And I'm definitely Scottish. Well, I'm more Scottish than Fraser. So <laughs> I think that kind of counts. Perfect. Right, and we've actually got quite a Scottish food selection in front of us here now as well. Katie, do you want to tell us a bit about what you've brought in? <laughs> So what I've brought today is battered fish, iron brew and a bag of chips. And the reason it's got X, 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 X on it is to refer to how much extra salt they had to put on. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to say this isn't performative, as Cindy with a test. This is quite a normal lunch for me. <laughs> Great. So let's, let's get started then. So last night we saw the first TV debate of the SNP leadership race. You can hear Kate Forbes, Hamza Youssef and Ash Regan trading blows here. Well, Hamza, you've had a number of jobs in government. When you were transport minister, the trains were never on time. When you were justice minister, the police were strained to breaking point. And now, as health minister, we've got record high waiting times. You say you're the only candidate that can persuade people who voted no. In the first week of your campaign, you had people who voted yes leave your campaign. Well, I am a unifier because I have already united the wider movement behind me. I think we need to heal the rifts around party. Pretty fiery, to say the least. Katie, which candidate do you think came out on top? I think what I was most struck by was just how vicious it was. So in terms of which candidate came out the best, I mean, I thought Kate Forbes did a good job of attacking Himza. But at the same time, how does that then play out? Is that something where she clearly sees him as her main opponent for a reason? Himza, you've seen as the favourite in this contest. And therefore, I think you could see some of the lines she's been using through the campaign saying continuity is not enough were then amped up quite a bit when it was just an attack on his record of the various briefs and lots of people have been pointing out that he is an abysmal record of his time in government but I think for Kate Forbes to do I was slightly reminded of the Tory leadership contest when Kemi Badenoch quite early on in the contest just came out swinging against Rishi Sunak and this is the first contest of 2022 and each candidate was allowed to ask another candidate a question she asked about fraud um, and wasted money, which has been a, an attack line used by Labour against Rishi Sunak too. And you've you got a sense that while it might help Kate Forbes in the short term, a lot of this is ammunition that you can just imagine the Scott Tories and Scottish Labour playing back and back. Because in that Tory leadership contest, once there was that quite vicious debate, everyone did take stock and, and agree to be a bit more... Uh, amiable going forward I think for the good of the party and Stephen for you do you think that Kate Forbes has shot herself in the foot by coming across so aggressive last night or do you think this has actually strengthened her campaign um, I largely agree with Katie um, I'm also 
pretty envious of her lunch choice. Um, <laughs> I I think that I've actually just bunged over a piece to, um, to a coffee house about this that on paper, on the sort of policy details, on rhetoric, on, on pretty much you know all factors you want to consider, Kate Forbes won last night and she won handily. The problem, of course, is that she won by talking past the contest, by talking past the electorate, which is SNP members, and talking to the country at large. Um, she was pitching herself not just as someone who can uh, lead the SNP, but could lead the country. The problem with that, of course, is that the party members are the only ones to get a vote. And I do, like Katie, I do question how uh, her um, attacks on Hamza Yusuf's competence will go down um, with uh, those members. I mean, nothing that she said last night, incidentally, was factually incorrect. You know, um, it's, it's well documented that Hamza Yusuf has had problems in pretty much every ministerial post he's ever held. You know, problems of delivery, problems of policy, problems of, of presentation. Question is, are the, you know, was the average SNP voter watching that uh, at home going to say, oh, that was such a convincing case, I'm, I'm now going to vote for Kate Forbes? Or are they going to sort of almost resent Kate Forbes for, you know, airing um, dirty laundry in public? I think it'll be interesting to see if the next debate is, is of the same kind of tone and tenor or whether, as Katie suggested, they perhaps um, rein it back in a little. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, Kate, Kate Forbes has um, made a lot of headlines this morning because she has come out from being, some would describe her as a primary school teacher, and now she's pushed that to the side and, and definitely shown her fiery side. But you're talking about Hamza Yusuf there. How how do you think he came across last night and how do you think his chances are um, at this stage in the contest? So um, I, th- I think Hamza... Um, he did not. He didn't come across terribly last night. I think that he uh, still remains the the person of the contest who seems the most relaxed in these debates and these hustings. He, if you if you listen to a lot of his talking points about uh, you know a radical agenda and a progressive Scotland, these are things that Nicola Sturgeon has been saying for the last eight years. And so there is a sense in which at first he was sort of admitting that he was the continuity candidate. Now he's sort of backed away from that, but. You know, if if you uh, if you were to take um, the things he's saying, you know, last night and in previous hustings, and and sort of put them on paper and give them to someone to read, they, they would probably identify them as something Nicola Sturgeon has said, uh, and that's you know that's maybe no bad thing. She's a very successful politician. I think where he he fell down last night was he really wasn't able to articulate how he would take the party forward. So Ash Regan's argument is vote for me and I'll accelerate us towards independence. You know, through you know, by this idea of a de facto never end and making every election about um about independence. Which Sturgeon um, which uh, sorry, Yusuf, there's a there's a Freudian slip, um, which Yusuf has kind of uh, sort of pinched her idea on that on that front. and Kate Forbes' argument is vote for me and I'll, you know, build support for independence beyond and where it is just now, and and sort of persuade undecided and no voters. Uh, Hamza doesn't really have uh, an argument there, other than essentially he'll keep doing what Nicola Sturgeon did. And you know, as Ash Regan pointed out last night, well, if Nicola Sturgeon couldn't do it, and Hamza is saying that she's the best politician that we've seen in these islands in generations, then why should the the membership um, be convinced that he is going to be capable of doing it?
Yeah. And, and Katie, you know, Ash Reagan is the outlier so far in this contest. In all the polls, she's still coming third out of the three candidates. Do you think she bettered her chances last night? I think she's running a very targeted campaign in the sense that it's just so specifically focused on independence, which is the reason the S&P exists. So you imagine there, I think it's really hard to get any sense speaking to S&P politicians in Westminster that they think Ash Reagan is a serious contender in terms of the support that they think she'll get in this membership ballot. Which suggests she has a limit. And also, I mean, she was retweeting support from Alex Salmond. <laughs> and I think... There's definitely a sense about Ash Reagan, which is she is the salmon candidate in this race. I don't know, Lucy, when you interviewed her. Mm-hmm. I think, did you ask her when she last spoke to Alex Salmon? Yeah, we asked when she'd last spoken to him and, and if she would let him back into the party. Yeah, and, she was and what did she say? She said... She said, sure, she'd let him back in if he wanted to. She wouldn't get into specifics of when she'd exactly spoken to yeah, him, she? <laughs> so, so, it's yeah, but I think that the, the suspicion is that he's very closely involved in this campaign. And also, she's not massively trying to hide it. So I think Ash Reagan adds an interesting element, but it's almost, I think she can shape the debate. It feels as though this is, and this is famous last words when we have one of our biggest surprises to date and Ash Reagan wins, but it feels as though this is a two-horse race. But Ash Reagan being there obviously influences what the others are saying on things. So on independence, if you have a candidate pushing harder than the others and saying you can't, Kate Forbes' argument, which is, We've got to make the case slowly. We've got to focus on the economy. That's how we're going to get there. Having a candidate who is much more saying, well, let's make everything about the referendum, pressurises others to harden their position or change it. So I think we're seeing a bit of that. I also found it interesting in that debate that after all this, and I guess we can't call it blue on blue, so what are we calling it? <laughs> after all the yellow on yellow, um, we had a situation whereby Kate Forbes said she would like Hamza Youssef to serve in her government, but probably not in health. Um, <laughs> And therefore you have a situation where it feels a little bit as though whoever wins is going to have a responsibility to have both the other candidates in their government. Um, But that's just adding to the sense of how dysfunctional things are going to get. Not to make this all about the Tory leadership contest, but... It does seem to me lots of the things that were said about that Tory leadership contest, which was lots of people saying, you know, this, we're going to have to have another leadership contest soon enough. You know, you already had a situation where MPs already talking about the leadership contest after the current one. That seems to be happening again with this one. Um, And of course, in the case of the Tories, that did happen. There was a second leadership contest, not for the reasons everyone predicted at the time but it feels I wonder what Stephen thinks on this and that there's an increasing sense that this leadership contest is not going to provide the renewal which the SNP needs. Well I think that that's a, that's a very good point in that you know you have two candidates let's put Ash Regan to the side for a minute you have two candidates you know Hamza Yusuf and Kate Forbes who going by the polls we have seen which admittedly is of SNP voters rather than members, those two seem to be the front runners. They can both claim to represent sort of the next generation of SNP leadership, but it's two very different visions. Um, and one is essentially Sturgeonism 2.0, and that's Hamza Yusuf. And and part of that is not just the kind of sort of kicking independence constantly into the long grass, but it's also being wedded to this kind of very progressive identity politics agenda that you know some in the SNP at least resent as because they they sort of ask what's what on earth has this got to do with independence whereas Kate Forbes represents perhaps more of this of a kind of a new way forward that's sort of a bit more fiscally moderate I, I wouldn't say her platform is socially conservative I mean she's socially conservative herself but you know she said she would divorce her views from from policy 
but that is a, a sort of an alternative vision in which it's all about persuading people who you know voted no last time to vote yes and running public services to to you know to sort of convince them that you can trust the SNP um, with independence. In some ways, I'm not saying those two visions are irreconcilable, but I think if if Hamza Yusuf wins, okay, yeah, there would be a lot of pressure, I think, to put Kate Forbes in his cabinet, you know, for for party unity. But then almost immediately, you're going to have the issue of the GRR bill, the the Gender Recognition Reform Bill, which he wants to to challenge the, the UK government's decision to block it in court, whereas Kate Forbes doesn't. And that is for, for a section of the party who are sort of closely aligned with Nicola Sturgeon, that is seen as almost sort of foundational now as, as independence as an issue. Equally, if Kate Forbes wins and she, you know, doesn't take forward uh, any kind of legal challenge to that to that block of the GRR bill, um, and also if she is seen as perhaps backsliding or, or not taking forward some of these progressive identity politics issues, then how does Hamza Youssef who is, you know, who personally supports these kind of policies, how does he remain in her cabinet? And and it is, it is, it is sort of looking more, I mean, the SNP is like New Labour, it's a big tent, but it's looking more and more like the kind of, you know, the, the, the tarpaulin is stretching. So after all this, you know, because it will come to an end at the end of the month, this leadership contest, after all this infighting and after all the arguments that we've seen in the leadership contest in the TV debate last night. What is the future, do we think, for the SNP? You know, under Nicola Sturgeon, it was always such a unified front. Is it possible that it can ever get back in the future to, to being as powerful as it once was? Um, or, or are we kind of looking for a whole new um, era of Scottish politics? Certainly the case that when you speak to Labour politicians, those who work for Keir Starmer, those who work for Rishi Sunak, they are not particularly worried now about any one candidate. I think Kate Forbes, as we talked about previously on this podcast, is the one that Tories, for example, would fear the most. But I think fear at this point is probably doing a lot of work. I'm not sure that is the right word. Um, I think partly because of the disunity, which was really acute last night. Mm -hmm. But you see in the sense, how does Kate Forbes, if she does win, lead this party? It feels like it'll be very fractious and perhaps... You'll see lots more splits, the Westminster group operating quite differently um, to, the, to what's happening in the Scottish Parliament. Therefore, I think there is some sense that they don't expect this to be a rebirth of Scottish nationalism, which causes them a huge threat in the next year or so. But yeah, if you take those statements, it's slightly strange that no one's talking about the SNP not being the largest party. Mm-hmm. It feels still priced in that everyone thinks the SNP are on course to you know, win again in terms of Scottish Parliament elections, that they are still on course to be in government. And Labour are talking about gains, but not a landslide number of gains in Scotland. So I think there is a sense of the status quo, but a weakened SNP party. I mean, I, I largely agree with what Katie said there. I think that this is uh, it's not going to transform the SNP in terms of if, if Hamza Yusuf wins, again, I think it's just sort of more of the, the same. Um, Kate Forbes, I mean, on the one hand, Kate Forbes, I think, possibly could change the, the kind of political lay of the land slightly in, in appealing to kind of no voters, Tory voters, uh, rural voters, 
Um, you know, there's obviously a, there's a big kind of problem in the northeast, and um, because of the SNP's coalition with the Greens and and how they're approaching oil and gas and transition to a green economy. And Kate Forbes, although she's not from the northeast, but she is as she is like a rural um, MSP, and she can possibly speak to those voters better. The problem, as Katie alluded to, though, is what price would a Kate Forbes leadership come with in in terms of you know party discipline? We've not we're not used to seeing. Um, the SNP being ill-disciplined, certainly not publicly. I mean, you have to go back about 20 years to, to John Swinney's leadership, you know, for the last time that that happened. Um, the, the the question of whether, you know, whether this is going to affect the, them in the polls, I mean, I think no matter who wins, the SNP is, is, as things stand today, on course to win. I don't know if they'll win a majority, but certainly they'll win the plurality, I would think, of Scottish... Uh, seats at the next Westminster election and uh, I think in the, they look in a very strong position uh, at Holyrood. Uh, you know, interesting to see of course if a new leader, um, you know, what certainly Hamza Youssef has a lot of baggage on, on the NHS and the, the Labour leader in Scotland, Anna Sarwar, is, goes very hard on, on the NHS and has against Nicola Sturgeon. Could he perhaps bring over voters um, fed up with the SNP and this sort of idea that Hamza Youssef, who has not performed well in the NHS, has nonetheless got a promotion for it. We'd have to wait and see. But I, I think, you know, I think anyone, you know, believe, th- any, anyone who thinks that this uh, leadership election is going to um, solve all the SNP's problems overnight is mistaken. And anyone who thinks that it's going to bring the SNP crashing down overnight is also mistaken. Thanks, Stephen. And thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening. Once again, this is a new limited series podcast from The Spectator. And you can find Coffeehouse Scots on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Coffeehouse Scots.